The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. G'day, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. I've uh, got an interesting one today, uh, a company that will be Australia's next copper producer. It's Hillgrove Resources. We've had them on the podcast previously, but uh, things have been happening uh, since then. Uh, fully financed for a uh, get back into production at its Canman 2 mine which is all of uh, 40 minutes from Adelaide, about a 55-kilometre drive. Production uh, is slated to start uh, early in uh, 2024, which uh, would dovetail nicely with the, uh, the copper price boom that everyone's forecasting. Just this week, we had City come out saying that copper could increase by 50% by 2025, and UBS uh, fleshed that one out by saying copper would have its quote-unquote lithium moment uh, around 2025 as well. It's all tied into uh, copper's key role in decarbonisation. So with that, we've got a lot to get through uh, today, and we've got Lachlan Wallace, the MD, on the line with us today. G'day, Lachlan. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Barry. Good to be here. Now, Lachlan, I mentioned we, we've uh, had you on the podcast previously, but for those who are not on top of uh, the background, uh, just give us a quick uh, background on uh, the project and uh, the company. Sure. So for those that might be new to the Hillgrove story, the Caman 2 Underground is located, as you said, only 55 kilometres from Adelaide and operated as a series of open pits from 2010 to 2020. During that period, we produced around 137,000 tonnes of copper and over 55,000 ounces of gold. Over the last three years, we've been drilling to prove up an underground extension. So this project is fully permitted. It's got all of the infrastructure already in place. This includes an operational 3.6 million tonne per annum process plant, uh, tail storage facility that has plenty of spare capacity and just recently we announced that the project is fully funded and this has no debt now within the company and we've just started the underground workings and already starting to intersect some high grade mineralization so as you said we're right on track for first copper production in early 2024 which does make Australia, uh, Hillgrove Australia's next copper producer uh, and whilst this mine development is going on we're also continuing to drill to expand the mine life uh, as well as annual copper production. Right. Now, given the uh, the infrastructure in place, what's uh, the capex cost to get started again? Yeah, capex cost about twenty five million dollars. So we recently completed a thirty eight million dollar funding package for the commencement of Camman two, and this really now enables us to provide sufficient contingency to get this up and running, as well as to concurrently continue to drill for that mine life extension. So. Importantly, as I said, we, we start this with no debt in the company, and this really de-risks the project just by providing some operational flexibility. It really means that the, the mine can be developed with a focus of delivering project value rather than having some sort of looming debt repayment program that starts to influence those operational decisions. And in addition to that, having no debt covenants really takes away some of the restrictions on distributing dividends which can bring mm -hmm. forward the potential timing of dividends. This is pretty important because Hillgrove holds over $17 million of franking credits, which enables us to distribute over $50 million in fully frank dividends at the appropriate time. As part of the uh, funding, we also uh, were able to 
put in place about 16,000 tonnes of hedging lines. So this obviously enables us to protect on the downside, but providing still plenty of upside uh, to the copper price, which, as you've just suggested or said, uh, is forecast to rise as the uh, world continues to decarbonise for electrification. So the uh, current copper price, uh, uh, US 3.78 a pound for those who like it in pounds, or US uh, 8,331 this morning, which is around... Uh, Make it uh, Australian dollars, 12500 So uh, on the work you've done uh, in terms of all-in sustaining costs, you'll uh, have a nice uh, uh, margin on production, you think? That's right. So our all-in sustaining cost over the initial four-year mine plan is just over $8,000. So a nice healthy margin at current price. Um, and, and obviously, we're anticipating that that price may continue to go further. So plenty of margin to be had in the, in the existing mine plan. Yeah, and just to uh, make sure that uh, that um, ASIC figure you were talking about, that was an $8 figure, $8,000. Correct. Roughly. Yeah. And so the $8 price, 12500 Okay, nice margin. Mine life, four years. Um, not the longest out there, but uh, I understand you've got strategy in place to uh, grow that over time. Uh, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so having the existing infrastructure, such as a process facility and the tails, dam is a huge asset, but to maintain these assets so that they can be restarted quickly with low refurbishment costs does create a cash burn to the business. So we've been really laser focused on just doing the necessary drilling to develop a mine plan that could be financed in the shortest amount of time for the lowest amount of exploration expenditure. And we've now Mm -hmm. achieved that and we've funded this stage one mine plan, which is forecast to throw off $200 million in free cash over the first four years with an IRR of over 230%. But This is really just scratching the surface. The real price for us is to extend the mine life and ramp up that annual copper production. And this is a phase that really starts now concurrent with the development of the underground. So whilst we're developing the stage one underground, uh, we're continuing to expand this um, mine life through drilling um, on the existing loads, which are on lease, and they remain open down dip as well as a long strike. So just for context, since 2019, we've drilled about 122 holes. And we've had over 143 intersections of economic grade and width. So this is a strike rate of more than 100%. And there's very few explorers that could claim such a success mm. rate over a sustained period. And this really isn't it luck. It's, it's very much a result of understanding that we've built up over 10 years of open pit operations, as well as the strong continuity of the mineral zones, particularly in the Z plane. So each drilling program has really translated into an increase in the resource estimates. So we've gone from yeah, under a million tonnes in 2019 to almost 7 million tonnes today. So every time we're drilling, we're hitting targets and the resource base is increasing. And considering we've only drilled a fraction of the known loads in the mining lease, this is really quite exciting. So just for context, the current mine plan, only can it only includes two of nine known loads within the permitted lease that have either been mined or drilled as part of the open pit process. So these loads, uh, they all do remain open uh, along strike as well as down dip. And we are currently drilling uh, with a focus on extending the depth extensions uh, below the part of the deepest part of our underground plan. And this is, I guess, all in line with a broader expiration target on lease in the order of about 10 to 20 million tonnes, 0.9 to 1.3% copper and, and some residual gold as well. And I guess for mm-hmm. those who are interested in the big blue sky, we also recently ran a magnotelluric survey at KMN2, and this detected a really significant target, approximately 800 metres below the base of the current underground, as displaying strong magnetic and gravity traits, similar but far larger than our existing uh, stage one underground. And over the next few months, we're running some additional MT lines to further define the target ahead of uh, a drilling program. 
So uh, that's the potential source of the, the copper that's been mined since the, the mid-19th century, basically, is it? That's one theory. And uh, obviously, if, if that bears out to be true, uh, then, then that would be a material change and transformation for the business. And when we say deep, how deep? So 1.3 k's from surface, about 800 metres below uh, where the current mine is, is currently projected to go to. So that is uh, a year or two out before you put some holes into that? Or when do you see that being tested? Well, we want to obviously do this next MT set of MT lines that will further define that target, and then we'll make a decision with regards to drilling. We have a number of targets, obviously, on lease to expand mine life as well as the annual throughput uh, opportunity. Uh, And then in addition to that is this blue sky opportunity. So uh, in an ideal world, we'll drill them all at the same time. We have raised additional money. So the $38 million obviously gives us a fair bit of contingency over the $25 million capital build. And Mm. so as quickly as possible, we would like to get these drill holes in uh, to just to really understand what we have in terms of the uh, the future opportunity at Camman too. We mentioned the uh, $38 million total uh, capital raise. Um, a company called Freepoint was a cornerstone there. I think they've emerged with about uh, 19% of the company. Tell us a bit about Freepoint. Yeah, so Freepoint, uh, we've had a relationship with Freepoint uh, since the very start of the open pit. As part of the original funding, they were large supporters and in return for that received a life mine offtake. They are based in Connecticut, out of the US, commodity traders, uh, ex-Sempra guys, um, and have been really supportive of uh, Hillgrove and, and the Camman 2 mine site uh, ever since the inception of the open pit. And they've been uh, very much on board with uh, the underground plans that we've had in place for the last three years, all the drilling program, been supportive of all of that. Um, and have now stepped in with not only uh, a large portion of the equity funding, about $17 million of the 38 was was from Freepoint directly. Last year, they also provided $6 million royalty. Uh, and in addition to that, they have facilitated the hedging line. So a really good supporter and, and happy to have them in an increased stake on the register. Right. And uh, they know this stuff. And I presume they went through DD on your plans and uh, you got the big tick. Uh, not everyone would put $17 million in. Um, they did. So they obviously like the story. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they did all the DD. And in fact, at one point, we were, were talking with regards to, you know, them potentially funding through debt. But I think they saw that the risk of the project was relatively low and there was plenty of upside and wanted to take an equity position rather than, I guess, a smaller margin that debt provides. And, and from our end, uh, really, the cost of debt, as there's been you know, continual rate rises, has converged with the cost of equity. So the opportunity to start this without those debt repayments um, was just materially better than entering into a, a debt repayment schedule over what is a relatively short current mine life. Uh, just continuing that theme of, you know, it's uh, how can I express it? It's almost like a third-party due diligence on the company's plans. I see that you've uh, appointed Roger Higgins as a non-executive uh, director. What's uh, what's Roger's background and what do you think he'll bring to the project? Yeah, so it's just, just in context, we've got a pretty small but very strong board. So the board itself is chaired by Derek Carter. So he's a very well-known and respected geologist, credited with actually discovering the Prominent Hill uh, project there in South Australia, as well as Murray Boyd, who brings decades of financial and, and governance expertise as non-executive director. And as you said, like this week, we've uh, put on... Uh, Dr. Uh, Roger Higgins, who's joined the board. Roger's got over 50 years experience in leading mining companies. This includes being a former MD at Octeti uh, Mine in Papua New Guinea, uh, senior vice president of copper at Tech Resources, been involved with BHP mm-hmm. over his life. And 
currently is a, a non-executive director with Newcrest um, and was recently the chair of D-Metallica prior to takeover by AIC. So he brings an enormous amount of experience to help us guide us through not only the development of the, the underground, but also uh, the future growth of Hillgrove Resources. Have you actually made final investment decision yet? Is that a formality or what's the situation with that? So we've commenced the underground, but we haven't made a formal investment decision. So the board are meeting um, the course of this month to formalise that decision. My expectation would be that that will be positive. And in case then we're we're away and I anticipate there'll be some announcements to that effect coming out in due course. Um, However, in anticipation of that being positive, we have commenced mining. We have engaged um, both key hires in terms of employees as well as equipment. And we've started uh, that underground mining process. It hasn't taken very long and we're right up to turning over multiple cuts per day um, with all of the uh, explosives, the ground support equipment and uh, people and expertise all in place. So um, we're very much on track for first copper by the first quarter of 2024. All right. So you had your, your first underground blast in May, apparently. Um, we did, and, yep. And while all that's going on, the mine life extension drilling continues. That's right. So we wanted to make sure we continue to do those concurrently, and that was part of raising, you know, the additional money, so thirty-eight million dollars over, you know, the twenty-five million dollar capital spend, and that was really to make sure that we could continue to expand out the mine life. Because as I said, we're very much focused on just getting to a fundable plan, spending the least amount of money to do so, um, so that we could reduce that capital burn associated with maintaining the mill. But once we get up and running, you know, our next uh, mission will really be to increase that mine life, and if we can increase the annual copper production because our current mine plan at one and a half million tonne per annum really only utilises about 40% of the mill's capacity. And in addition to that, the approved tails dam has about 7 million tonnes of approved capacity. So for context, uh, the current mine plan only has four and a half million tonnes in it. So we have the ability to continue to drill, expand the mine life uh, and to be able to store all of that within the approved tails dam footprint. We've already touched on uh, the distance from Adelaide, 55 k's. Um, WA, we hear nothing but problems of uh, companies securing staff, uh, workforce. I imagine it's uh, been a bit easier for you guys, given the location. Yeah, completely opposite experience to what we hear reported out of Western Australia. I mean, we offer yeah, mining, competitive mining pay on a mining even time roster, um, but people have an opportunity to go home every night. And not only that, being only 50, 55 kilometres from Adelaide, uh, you have all of the amenities that that broader Adelaide region has to offer. I mean, mm. Adelaide was recently regarded as the you know, third most livable city in, in the entire world. And it very much is. So it's a beautiful lifestyle here. And so people, you know, not having to worry about things like schooling or entertainment. Um, and, you know, the mine is actually located in the beautiful Adelaide Hills wine region. So many people just live within the, a short distance of the of the mine, I think, uh, really build their, their life out around in the Adelaide Hills. Um, and so we've seen since we announced the the funding um, that uh, there's been a very, very high level of interest and we were able to put on very experienced uh, both operators, uh, technical staff, as well as management group uh, to start off this underground within a very short period of time. So, uh, yeah, look, I I don't think that we are going to see some of these uh, labour shortage issues that that are plaguing the rest of the industry. Mm, Good stuff. One thing that interests me in uh, one of the company's recent uh, presentations was... um, you're fully permitted, obviously, in a Tier 1 jurisdiction, but we are talking Adelaide Hills. And I see that the company has obviously spent quite a bit of time on the re- rehabilitation, uh, creating a green environment, quote-unquote. Um, 
where you've, uh, what is it, 122 hectares of native vegetation completed and you've got a surplus annual native seed production. So you've obviously been uh, prepared to spend the dollars and make the effort there. Yeah, look, we, we, we work in a in close proximity to the Camantu and Callington townships and we have a very strong relationship. It's been built over about 20 years of mm. honest, open engagement with those communities. And I guess, um, you know, the communities took a leap of faith right back in sort of 2004, five, when we were permitting the open cut mine to say, look, we're going to rehabilitate, we're going to do all these types of things. Um, and I guess at that stage, just had to take us on our word. But what we've been able to do since the I guess, as part of the last few years of the completion of the open pit and, and continuing through during this drilling program is to be able to really finish off uh, a lot of the rehabilitation that we said that we would do. Effectively, all of the areas that could have been closed out have been closed out. The only areas that now remain open at the top of the Tails Dam and where the processing facility sits and a few road accesses. So the community have been able to see us, I guess, deliver on our environmental promises. And I guess over over that sort of 20-year journey as well, we've been able to get a better understanding in terms of what the community would really like to see, particularly uh, with regards to uh, environmental um, offsets. So mm-hmm. you know, we have a relatively small mine footprint. Um, and uh, so some of our rehabilitation works are actually done offsite. So what we've been able to do is actually work in with regional uh, rehabilitation and, and uh, forestry type projects to basically create what will be about a five kilometre green belt that links up um, some other revegetation works in the district with the mines revegetation, really creating, I guess, those fauna clock uh, corridors, uh, which mm-hmm. the community then value you know, really quite highly. And then now there's thoughts around, you know, can we establish uh, walking trails, bike tracks, et cetera, through. And it's those, that type of a genuine engagement doesn't cost a lot for a company, but when you do it and you do it well, it has enormous uh, positive consequence uh, mm. With regards to getting you know future projects such as the underground up and permitted and, and enjoying a strong level of support for that, so uh, yeah, look, we we do grow an excess amount of seed. We have a seed multiplication um, area on site. We grow about three hundred fifty kilos worth of seed, which is well more than what we can use. So we actually donate these to uh, local businesses and these uh, revegetation groups so that they can use that native seed uh, within within their local projects. And again, all of this works in well to uh, yeah, creating that, uh, I guess, social license that is required mm. to work in, in close proximity to a community. Yeah, no, great example of coexistence. Um, now, you're well and truly on what's called the Lausanne curve, um, which basically says uh, you get re-rated as you approach uh, first production and then you get re-rated again after that, uh, assuming successful commissioning and production. The company's uh, currently trading at 5.2 cents for a market cap of around $100 million. What do you see as the key re-rating points ahead? Yeah, look, I think, um, one, we want to get the story out there and, and you know, this podcast will be part of that. Um, we speak at another couple of conferences coming up. But the reality is I think people now want to see us get into first production, first copper. So I, I expect that re-rating opportunity to occur um, towards the end of the year as we're starting to continue to to build ore on the deck um, and, and get closer to to that first copper production will be the, the first re-rating opportunity. Um, obviously, if we continue or as we continue to drill, if there are any material hits over and above just the, the normal, I guess, uh, expected increase in mine life, uh, we'd anticipate that, that a longer mine life would also mm-hmm. see, see a re-rate um, and particularly the, the larger, deeper target, if, if indeed um, it, it does generate you know, significant sort of copper hit. So they, they become, I guess, the opportunities um, over, over the course of the, the next period. But I mean, when I look at uh, the copper producers around the place, I mean, there, there are now with the Oz Minerals acquisition um, by BHP, there is not a lot of uh, copper 
companies, pure copper companies now trading on the ASX. Mm. Um, and, and definitely ones of our size. There's, there's only you know, a couple and, and you know, there, there are ones with a very similar production profile to us that are trading at, at multiples of the EV that we currently have. So I would like to think that as we get into production, demonstrate that uh, the plan uh, is robust and we are delivering on, on that plan schedule, uh, that, that uh, the, the re-rate will occur. Right. And uh, ideally in, in a rising uh, copper market, which will amplify things. So, <clears throat> so let's just bring it all together and give uh, investors a feel for what they should be looking at for in terms of news flow in the next six to 12 months. So, Yeah, so really, really exciting news flow um, as we transition back to production. Uh, already, we've obviously uh, put out a new mine plan. That was the $200 million free cash flow plan I spoke about for stage one. We've secured the funding and we've started the underground but now it's only a very short period, so seven months um, until we have sufficient ore mm. on the ROM um, and enough working headings to commence processing with that first copper, as I've talked about, and revenue flows starting in uh, early 2024. So in conjunction, we'll obviously be putting out releases associated with the continued drilling. I anticipate there'll be some maiden resource estimates, um, both in North Hub and South Hub, which are some areas that sit just, well, north and south of the current mine design, but within the, uh, within the current uh, lease that's permitted already. Um, and they're currently not in the stage one economics. So pending the results of that, they may be brought into uh, the near-term mine plan. Um, and as we have plenty of processing capacity as well as tail storage, um, we may have the opportunity to ramp up that annual copper production and extend life. So I think they're the, they're the main parts of noise to, uh, that, that we'll be making over the course of the next sort of six to eight months as we get into that first copper production. So really exciting period ahead. It certainly is. So there we go, folks, a uh, fully funded, uh, low capital intensity copper project about two, well, seven months or so away from first production into a, uh, a market that uh, all the investment banks are, are telling us uh, that is the place to be in terms of uh, your metal exposure. And let's not forget, uh, there must be some very good reasons behind BHP's move on Oz Minerals for $9.6 billion. So copper the metal of this decade and uh, here we are 55 k's from adelaide about to start up and uh, be part of all that action so lachlan thanks for your time today fascinating story good luck with it all we'll be watching with interest fabulous appreciate the uh, opportunity